Well, I tend to think of the Gosling as a poem. The critical opening phrase of this poem will always be the grip, which the hands unite to form a single unit. Lowly and slowly, the club head is led back, pulled into position not by the hands, but by the body, which turns away from the target, shifting weight to the right side without shifting balance. Tempo is everything, perfection unattainable, as the body coils now to the top of the swing. There's a slight hesitation, a nod to the gods. Now the weight begins shifting back to the left, pulled by the powers inside the earth. It's alive, this swing, a living sculpture, and down through contact, always down, striking the ball crisply with character. There was only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf ball. Oh, boy. Oh, what's the other theory? Grip it and rip it. This is the Hendricks Gen Sports Hub Golf Club, presented by Core Golf on Boston's home for sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Now, here's Hardy. Good morning. Welcome to the Sports Hub Golf Club. Glad to have you along on this uh, Sunday morning, where if you are uh, up and out of the house already this morning, you know it feels different. We We have a break. We had a break in the weather yesterday morning. We have a break in the weather this morning, you're heading out to play for the first time in a long time. You have to start thinking about, hmm, that's a little chilly out here. <laughs> I played early yesterday morning, had the jacket on. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna want at least one extra layer as you as you're heading out this morning. You gotta gotta start thinking about a little. It's not fall golf yet, but you could feel it in the air. So. Uh, Oh, we got some stories to get to here this morning. The biggest one, of course, this week, once again, uh, you know, rumors of more players leaving for the LIV tour. This time it's Cameron Smith, fresh off his win at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. You know, the uh, supposed snub or, I guess, uh, breach of etiquette between him and Scotty Scheffler this week. It depends on who you want to believe on that one, but... Uh, I, I think we can believe, based on what uh, Cameron Smith was saying earlier this week, that uh, he is, in fact, going to go to the LIV. I mean, this is... I think we knew it after the after the Open Championship. I, I, I think by the way he answered the questions, you know, these are things for my team to decide. And um, that, that it just it sounded like somebody who's... Uh, uh, who, who didn't necessarily want to uh, talk about it, and uh, what he wants is uh, just to go do it. That's what he wants to do, and I think that is what he is going to, in fact, end up doing. So, uh, I, it, you know, it continues to permeate the conversation here of of professional golf, and I think it's going to for some time to come. This is not something that is going to stop, but um, at some point there will be enough players. Uh, in the uh, th- th- that people care about that that will stop leaving to go to LIV, and the the problem is, I I would love to continue talking about the games of Cameron Smith and all these guys that have gone to the LIV, but uh, the fact is the the tournaments themselves there aren't that many of them, and when they when they do have the tournaments, uh, I, I don't know that I'm going to go through whatever it takes to go through to watch them. And yes, I still have that nagging thing in the back of my hand was I just, I kind of don't care who wins the LIV tournaments, the 54 hole shotgun start. Everybody gets a lot of money tournament. There's it's just not all that compelling to me. So yeah, another player that I like watching play that I probably won't either be able to or care about watching play anymore. 
unless it's at major championships. So um, that's the latest in terms of uh, the news in the world of golf. But uh, I, I, I have a, it's a tiny bit self-serving. But if I didn't think you would appreciate what happened to me last weekend, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother you with uh, with telling you the whole story. And I've told the whole story to a number of people over the last week. I mentioned it last weekend, I believe, that uh, as as I sat here last Sunday morning, I was getting ready to go out for the second and final round of the senior club championship at, at the Cape Club in, in Sharon, which is where I've been for the last three or four years, never belonged to a club before in my life, but uh, this was one that that we joined when we moved to, to, to Canton. So we're about 10 minutes away from the club and you know, like this, this will be good. And it's been great. And last year for the first time ever, I decided, sure, you know, I'm over the age of 50. I can play in the senior club championship. And last year I went out and did it and shot, um, a million on both days. I'd never played real tournament golf before, you know, scrambles, whatever, uh, you know, fun tournaments, Maybe, you know, like once or twice, literally in the 90s, I played in a tournament where it was stroke play every single. But again, they were more they were more about fun and and less about the actual winning. So when I did it for the first time last year, I finally got a taste way, way, way into my my golfing life of of what tournament golf was like. And uh found out that it is in fact different and not just the scoring i mean i think if you and i were to go play tomorrow we would be giving each other plenty of putts and oh is that you know don't don't swing that there move the ball so you have a a, a swing you know oh you turns out your tee shot was out of bounds just drop one here well as i'm sure you know in tournament golf none of that stuff applies you play the ball down uh you there's n- and I don't improve my lie on the golf course anyway, for the most part, unless it's lift clean in place. So, but I know a lot of people do, and that's fine. I'm fine with it. If you and I are playing together, I'm fine yeah, with whatever you want to do. You know, let's just go out there and let's enjoy ourselves. But in tournament golf, no, you play the golf, you play the ball down. If you're OB off the tee, you're reteeing, so you're hitting three, um, and as I found out last year, making every putt is not, wow. It, it is such a difference maker when it comes to those, and yeah, one and two footers to save par or bogey or worse. It's just different. So yeah, last year I shot a million. I want. I took it more seriously this year, and I really wanted to, to have a good tournament to see what happened. And you can look up anybody on the. You know, if you're a member of Mass Golf and you've got your handicap and you, you have the the app on your phone, um, the the USGA, GIN G H I N Golf Handicap Index Network, whatever it stands for. Yeah, you can look up anybody's handicap. You can see right now. I just pulled mine up this morning. As of this morning, I'm at thirteen point two, and that's about what I was when they, you know, when we started the tournament last weekend. There were two different, actually, several different tournaments going on for the for the women. 
uh, there was you know the women's club championship and the and the net, which is based on your handicap. For the men this year, they added a net to go with the men's club championship, the senior club championship, and the net. Okay, so I was entered into two into the senior and into the net division. Great. Now again, a thirteen handicap. Which let's just simplify it here for a moment. If I were to go out and play my my best round. Um, I would go out there on that course under those conditions, not the tips, but from, uh, you know, second or third to last, you know, tee by, not playing the white tees. We're playing the blues. So uh, further back, you know, decent length golf course, uh, I would shoot 85 if I were going to go out there and play my best round. Okay. Let's see what happens. Got my guy Sam for, uh, who, who works there at, at the Cape Club who agreed to actually caddy for me for a couple of days and i joked about it last week and i'm like well this could be an absolute joke uh and i'm gonna catch crap for it for the rest of my life or it would end up working out great well spoiler alert it worked out great for a while (laughs) and i'm not blaming sam for anything i'm talking about my game saturday i i don't think i mentioned my score when i was here last weekend from what was the day before last weekend. The club championship last Saturday morning, as a 13 handicap, I went out and shot on the front nine, 35. I parred the first hole, which was way different from the year before. Where I didn't make a par until number nine, the first year I played in this thing. But this year, a week ago yesterday, I make par at the first, I birdie the second, which is, by many people's estimation, the toughest hole on that golf course. It is a longish uh, dogleg right uphill par four, and the pin was back on Saturday, and I, I make birdie on the hole and proceed to par three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. At some point late in that front nine i believe somebody must have said something to somebody and you know as as this happens around clubs like oh what's going on in the club championship let's go into this uh, oh hardy's one under through six hardy's one under through seven. Oh, hardy's one under through eight who robert pool the guy that guy the, that guy he is i play with him he sucks i know the head pro, John Carbo, he's doing his laps around the course. Somebody must have told him at some point he kind of gave me a nod because John and I are very friendly. You've heard him on the show before. He didn't say boo to me. It's like talking It's like talking to your mentally unstable pitcher in the middle of a no-hitter. He knew not to say anything to me. And sure enough, uh, he went by and... Every everything was going great. Everything was going great, and I was I wasn't clanging balls off of tree limbs, and they were falling in the hole for eagle. I was it was fairways, greens, two putts. If I missed a green, I was getting up and down to save par. First bogey of the day I made was at the uh, longish but straightaway par four tenth, where I found a fairway bunker, uh, clipped a tree branch trying to get out of the bunker. But actually, from about 150 out, ended up getting down in three more shots, 
which for me is is really good golf. First bogey of the day on 10, which begins the gauntlet of our golf course, in my view, 10, 11, and 12. Uh, really tough holes. Uh, par 5, par 4. I make par, par, and then par the short par 3, 13th. So I'm standing on 14 tee box, even on the day. Believe me when I tell you, never in my life have I played like this. I've been playing golf for a long time, on and off for, let's call it what it is. Oh, Jesus, this makes me sound so old. 40 years. And never in my life have I played golf like this. Which sounds silly. It's like, oh, I thought you'd be good. You love, yeah, I love the game, but it stink. I'm a 13 handicap. I've been playing my whole life, and it's like I'm just out there trying to break 90 like everybody else. It doesn't matter. I love it, but I'm no good at it. Well, a week ago Saturday, I was great for 13 holes. <laughs> uh, number 14 is a par four. I missed the drive a little bit right. Slid under the approach. I was trying to keep it low. I was trying to hit. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what I was trying to do. I lost focus. I lost concentration. I. I did not hit a good second or a third. I was on in four and three putted and made triple. Oh. Now I rallied. I, I made a par on 15. But on 16, I was actually thinking three holes to play. Well, you're only three over par, three holes to play, Hardy. You could, you could shoot a 75 if you par out and beat your best score ever by two shots. In round one of the club championship. So what do you think I did on 16 once I started thinking like that? Snap hooked it left out of bounds. Ended up making double. Next hole, I hit my third shot on this tricky par five out of bounds. End up making double. Limped in, bogeyed 18, shot 80. Now let's face it. A 13 handicap shooting an 80 in round one of the club championship is still fantastic. And I felt great about the fact that I was even through 13 and shot my lowest round in years in round one of the club championship, eight over par, which put me one stroke off the lead and put me in really good position to win the net. So what what happened, you ask? <laughs> what happened when I left here last Sunday and went to the course for my... 9.40 a.m. tea time for round two of the club championship, playing in the final group in the senior division with two very good players. Well, on the first hole, I made par. Both the guys I was with made bogey. That put me in a tie for the lead, standing on number two tee box. I shot an 80 the day before. I just made par on the first hole, and now I'm tied for the lead. I'll tell you what happened. Kaboom! <laughs> I, I, from shooting 35 on the front on Saturday, I shoot 47 on the front on Sunday, back it up with a 48 on the back and shoot 95. Oh, man, I fit, I fit, I don't know what I finished, fifth place, 
fifth place in the, in the senior. Uh, I may have sniffed fourth in the in the net, but I didn't even care. I was absolutely sick to myself. I was sick to my stomach. I didn't want to eat. I hung around the club, had lunch. Sam, my caddy, was great. Oh, he was so good. Did a great job. Hung in there with me. We tried to make it work. It didn't work. People say, Hardy, what happened? What would you do differently? I'll tell you what I did differently. Nothing. Same guy, same clubs. I, I obviously did something differently, but I didn't know what. And... I was spun. I was absolutely beside myself. I, I was walking around in a, in a daze, in a haze. I couldn't figure it out. So here's what I did for both me and for you. I went out to see Ian Highfield, who is the academy director at Core Golf in Natick. He's their performance coach. He's... He's been working with and training with guys for, I, I don't know, years and years now. This is what he does. He doesn't he doesn't give swing tips. He's, he's not out there uh, working on the mechanics of your game. He is a performance coach. He is for very good golfers, like the guy he had at the British that he was with and at the Masters. He's with his guys working on the mental game and the performance game. And I wanted to talk to Ian about what happened to me and how we can prevent this from happening again, not only for me, but for you. So, two-part conversation with Ian. And the aftermath, the smoldering ruins of my failed club championship bid. I talked with Ian earlier in the week. My conversation with him, you'll hear next on the Sports Hub Golf Club. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. We're on par with more of the Hendricks Gin Sports Hub Golf Club with Hardy. Presented by Core Golf on 98.5, the Sports Hub. We're back at Core Golf on the Sports Hub Golf Club. I'm here with Ian Highfield, who's the Academy Director at Core Golf in Natick. Ian, I uh, spent a few minutes at the beginning of the show recounting what happened to me last weekend, but uh, that uh, I, I guess that compelled me to talk to you again today, A, because it's been too long, we've got a lot to catch up on, but B, maybe get into a little bit of how to uh, avoid or, I, I don't want to use any negative terminology around you, Ian, how to, uh, how to make things uh, different next time around, is that fair? Yeah, so... I love the way you said avoid and then sort of reframed it. Avoid is a negative word, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's okay to to think negative or, or kind of plan for negatives on the golf course, as, as we've kind of touched upon. But the one thing from our conversation that we've had, and I'm sure you'll shed some light on it, is I think you don't want to strive 
to recreate the best scores that that you had on that those first 13 holes that we were talking about you want to strive to recreate the mindset and the type of focus that you had um so that that from from everything that that we talked about and and any club golfer if ever you've played well you don't want to associate your success with the score because the score is non-controllable you want to associate it with the things that you can control like your focus and your mindset and, and those kind of things and as we talked about it you know it's been my mantra here and you know recounting this story time and time again over the last week or so that wow what happened what did you do i said i i didn't do anything differently i didn't change my swing i didn't change my attitude i didn't get too hot i didn't none of that stuff but in thinking about it I think I did change my process because when I felt my good, my really good score slipping away in day one of the tournament, I started trying to make better scores. And through those 13 holes where I was even par and after shooting the 35 on the front, I, I'm not lying when I tell you this, Ian, I didn't once think about my score. I knew what my score was, but it was almost incidental. I'm like, yeah, that is the result of the way um things are, are, are of what went down on the card yeah. but what i'm what i'm only interested in is this next shot and where to hit it and what the result will be yeah and you know you you said something you said you, you talked me through a couple of shots in detail right so you talked me through a wedge that the pin was at the back but you planned to just hit it to the middle of the green cuz you wanted an uphill putt and you said and i got lucky because I caught the wedge thin, a little bit thin, and it went next to the hole. And then there was another shot where the pin was at the front left, but you decided to avoid a bunker, so you aimed towards the back right of the green to get it past the bunker, didn't quite catch it, and it landed right next to the hole and set up a potential birdie. So your perception was, I was getting lucky on the front nine because my misses were landing next to the hole. My perception of that was... That was an amazing process, great strategic planning, and that was something that on those last five holes you probably got away from as you started to strive more to get your score back than just focus on, okay, how do I eliminate the the danger? What's the best target here for me to give me a chance of my par or at worst my bogey? Uh, and it sounds to me like the first 13 holes, you picked very smart targets. The shots you missed went next to the hole, which, you know, that happens on the tour. A lot of the time was when the crowd go wild, the player has missed that shot. But we just don't, we just don't know. We don't understand that. So for your first 13 holes, there's some strategic excellence in there. You're kind of experiencing what a tour pro does where their little misses go closer to the hole because they're eliminating danger. But then the last five holes, you've kind of said, okay, my score needs to be better. I want more. Let's make some birdies. And that strategic excellence and tour player mindset has kind of slipped away a little bit. Well, it wasn't even that I wanted more. I actually said to myself, not out loud or to anyone in the group or even to my caddy, but I said, you know, I'm even through 13. I can double every single hole on the way in and still shooting 82, which would be a great score for me. What a dumb thing to even think. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's not the best self-talk. So <laughs> we want we want our self-talk to be surrounded, uh, uh, to be based around things that we can control. So instead of saying, I could do this and shoot this, it might have been better to say, I have to continue to pick smart targets. I have to continue to have great tempo in my practice swing. And after the ball has left the club, I have to continue with a nice breath to close off my routine. Because they're like, they're examples of three things that you can control. So if there was five holes left, on average, let's say a full approach shot, that might be 10, 11 full shots. You might have been better rather than sort of calculating a score or a number that you want to get in on. You might have been better off saying, okay, I'm 13 perfect processes from the clubhouse. Mm. And then it's like, right, go through my strategic excellence, ask myself if I hit the ball here, how many times um, out of 10 would it end up in the danger? Okay, take my breath, focus on tempo. Did I do a good job there? Yes, great. 12 great processes remaining, 11 great processes remaining, 10 great processes. And try and get into the clubhouse that way, counting down great processes and focusing your mind on things you can control rather than, oh, this score would give me this and this score would give me this because ultimately you cannot control your score. You really can't. And as a human, if you're trying to control things that you can't control, you're going to end up stressed. And being stressed is not a, not a high-performance state. Ian Highfield is the Academy Director at Core Golf. You know, you talk about process, and I don't want to make it sound like, uh, you know, we're getting too academic here because the process can be essentially whatever you decide it's going to be for you and what is best for your game. For some people, it may be a practice swing you know, standing perpendicular to target. For others, it may be that old school practice swing and then step up to the ball and do it, but, or, or no practice swing at all. Maybe it's just, you know, one, yeah. rehearsing one move that you want, but whatever that process is that you decide to work for you, if you have success with it, to just, for the love of God, repeat it. Correct. Don't, don't go away from it. You picked up a great one there. You actually said sort of no practice swing, right? Mm -hmm. So Cam Smith... Uh, Cam Smith on the Saturday at the Open, he his putting process is no practice swing. So there's no physical movement that we can see, but it's well documented that he holds the image of the target in his mind when he's playing. So on Saturday, Cam Smith didn't make one putt. Didn't make one putt. No practice stroke, holding the image of the target in his mind, didn't make anything. But he believes in that process. And he knows over 10 rounds of golf that that process is going to bring down his scoring average versus just looking at one isolated round. So on the Sunday he goes out, same process. No practice stroke. But as he's over the ball, he's really holding the image of the target in his mind, connecting with that target. That's something that he can control. And I mean, that putting performance... I mean, you know, you, you were there, you saw it. That putting performance on the Sunday was just unbelievable. And it was process-driven. It wasn't driven by, I need to make this putt because I've got to catch Rory, or I need to make this putt because Cameron Young's closing the gap. That He disassociated himself with all of that, and he just repeatedly, as he was over the ball on the putting green, no practice stroke, 
hold the image of the target in his mind, react to that target. You know, we tend to look at the last holes of tournaments. And Ian, you were uh, at the at the Open. I want to ask you more about your experience there. But, you know, we tend to think of the last holes with Cameron Young with his incredible final hole. And for Cameron Smith to step up and, and I believe purposely leave his tee shot where he did, you know, in that awful mess of trying to get up and around and on that ledge, it didn't matter to him what someone else did on that hole seemingly to Cam Smith that that's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. I know what my process is and I'm not going to change it because of what someone else did on the golf course immediately before me. Yeah. He, he said he's, he, there's a quote from him after he won. He's like, I'm a, I'm a process orientated guy. So again, he's worked very hard on not only the physical steps of his pre-shot routine, but the mental steps, the mental steps that match the physical steps. So every time he takes a practice swing for a full shot, it's likely that his brain is focusing on the same, the same thing, tempo, rhythm, shot shape, whatever it might be. As he walks to the ball, again, the mental step matches that. It's likely that he's focused on the target or tension or breathing or the pace that he's walking in at. As he stood over the ball, a new physical step, it's likely that his mind is connected to the target or visualizing the impact of the shot or having a swing thought. But we, we said earlier, right before you started recording, it's kind of boring. It's rinse and repeat the same process over and over again. And what they're doing is they're playing the task, the task of hitting the shot, and they have this repeatable process. And they're not playing the situation that the task is wrapped up in. And maybe for you, <laughs> you played the situation of this is the club championship. I'm going to get a parking space. This is going to be awesome. Oh. The situation came into it a little bit. And the task of just what you had to do and rinse and repeat that process get, gets away from you. I went from a parking spot, my name on a plaque to <laughs> what? Pro shop credit enough for a dozen balls and maybe a glove. I don't know. It depends on what they, it depends on what they've got the gloves priced at this week. We um, let's talk a little bit about, about the open yep. at St. Andrews because I was there, you know, just as a spectator. I know you were heading over as well and you got to spend more time there than I did, yep. uh, because of who you were with. Yeah. Let's talk about that next. If you would, uh, just stick with us for a minute here and then we'll be back with more, uh, with Ian Highfield, Academy Director at Core Golf coming up next on the Sports Hub Golf Club. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. More of the Hendricks Gin Sports Hub Golf Club with Hardy. Presented by Core Golf on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Back on the Sports Hub Golf Club with Ian Highfield, Academy Director of Core Golf. We are just getting ready to talk about your uh, time at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Who, who were you there with, Ian? So I was with um, Aaron Jarvis, who is the Latin American amateur champion, a 19-year-old golfer from the Cayman Islands, attends UNLV. 
Uh, I've coached him with one of my best friends, Zach Parker, uh, from the Ledbetter Golf Academy since he was 15. Uh, so as I said, very, very surreal walking over that bridge with some a kid that's only 19 that you've known since he was 15 and hearing his name be announced at the home of golf. I mean, I get goosebumps now. Um, but again, all week, all week, we, we told Aaron, you know, we used the word process again. And it wasn't just the pre-shot routine process. And it wasn't just when he's on the golf course in between shot process. It was the process of the practice rounds. It was the process of um, going to physio, going in the gym before you play. It was myself and Zach have said to him numerous times, we're so proud of what he did, not because he made the cut and finished second amateur. We're proud because of the level of professionalism that he showed. Um, and, you know, on the golf course, it, it, it can get very stressful and very complex. So when you focus in on your pre-shot routine and when you focus in on things you're going to do in between shots, it alleviates some of that stress. So you've got this 19-year-old kid playing at the home of golf, gets his name announced. The whole of the Cayman Islands are following him with flags. And, you know, he's in a group with Stuart Sink and Sergio, big crowds. And on that first tee, he's focused on not pulling the club out of the bag before he's decided the shot with the caddy. And if he ever broke that rule, he had to pay me $20. <laughs> so that was one, because he, he tends to speed up, right? He t under pressure, he tends to speed up. So leaving the club in the bag until the caddy gives him the green light was one process goal. The next was a rhythmical practice swing where he has to feel width. And then after the shot, he had to grade his tempo, his tension management, and how focused he was on the target. And he did that after every shot for 72 holes of golf. Did he mentally grade himself or was he writing down his grade after every shot? So Aaron is kind of a free spirit. So I have students that would write the grade down after every shot or do check and crosses. I have tour players that grade themselves after every hole and they send me their process score out of 180, 10 for every hole. Aaron... It was more of I'm taking videos of him as he's playing. And then when we did the debrief later on or when we went to the range to, to sort of warm down, just reviewing those processes. But he's kind of the bigger the stage, the better he plays. Uh, and I think that's because he does understand when he's nervous and anxious, it forces him into those processes. I think he's felt the benefits of having a great pre-shot routine, having set process goals and really sort of valuing them. Sometimes when he plays in a bit smaller tournaments, his scoring average isn't as good because he doesn't have that pressure and maybe deviates a bit away from the processes because the, the stress isn't actually there to focus him. The best athletes, Tiger being the number one at this, when they're put under pressure and stress, it drives them into the processes and... For people trying to win a parking space and the club championship, <laughs> generally the pressure and stress pulls them out of their process. Well, if we can take anything away from this, whether it's uh, you and your player at, uh, at the Open or whether it's me or someone else at their club championship, however you're playing, whatever you're working on technique-wise, whatever seems to be good in your golf game is useless 
without a process to go with it. And your process can be as detailed and as specific as you want it to be. But I think the more specific and the more consistent you are with the process, the better your odds are of having a consistent performance on the golf course and maybe finishing off around where you're starting even through 13 holes and, and not completely blowing up on Sunday. It's about the process. Absolutely. And you know, the, the mental process, the engagement. So lots of golfers want consistency and they're searching for consistency in their golf swing. I would say the mind moves the body, the body moves the club and the club moves the ball. So if you want consistency in movement and consistency in ball flight, it really starts with consistency of that mental process, knowing where you place your mind at each step of your pre-shot routine will get the mind to relax, that will get the body to relax, that's more fluid-free golf swings, and that's a better ball flight. So I agree, it's it's all about the process. All right, Ian Highfield, always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's uh, do it again soon. And, uh, you know, all this stuff, it sounds like it takes some of the fun away from golf, but quite frankly, it'd be... I'd be having more fun if I didn't have to walk as far from my car to the tee box. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, like that's where the fun comes from playing. And I'm going to spend more time walking in the parking lot because I didn't pay attention to the process on, you know, the second half of the round on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, process equals more fun. It just takes a little longer to get yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, the, it's fun winning the mental battle with yourself is very, very, very rewarding. Uh, and again, you, you used the term earlier, the odds. If you can win the mental battle with yourself, if you can keep your mind engaged um, in the process on every shot, and look, we're only talking about 30, 40, 50 seconds per, per every shot. As soon as you're out of your process, go chat, have fun with your buddies, get in the golf cart, have a, have a Truly or a Bud Light or whatever it is you do on the golf course to have fun. We're not saying that this is the whole four or five no. hours you're out there. This is literally based around the shot. In fact, a great process is to have fun and talk to your buddies between shots. But if you know what your routine is and you can switch that on, go through that process, then switch it off and have some fun, you'll hit the ball a little more consistently. You'll hit the ball into places that you want to be in. And you'll have fun winning the battle against yourself and over 10 rounds of golf, potentially lowering your score. A neighbor of mine who's a very good player uses the glove on, glove off method. Yeah. When the glove goes on and the Velcro is shut, that's when he's in his process. And even after the shot, you talk about grading your shot. If you're doing that, you do that as long as it takes. And then once the glove goes off, then you relax your mind. Indeed. You relax your body and that... that Again, makes it more manageable because you thought you got to you got to focus for five hours. No, you can't. But can you focus for thirty seconds every time you're about to hit a shot or roll a putt? I think we can all do that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, look, you know, at the Open, maybe the, we see on TV we see the last groups, and they're sort of in a they're in the zone, right? They're in flow. It's a little different. They're competing against each other, but most of these guys. They're having a great time. They're chatting away. You know, some of the, the Aaron played with um, Stuart Sink and, and Sergio, and he, he just kept saying what great guys they were and relaying stories that they were telling them. Because these guys know relaxing and having fun, controlling what you can control, it's a great way to to shoot lower scores. It's not by accident that that these guys 
are kind of chill in between shots. It's it's by design. It's part of their process. Right. Okay. Ian, Academy Director at Core Golf and Natick. Thanks again. We'll uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. We've got the right club for your swing. This is the Hendrix Gin Sports Hub Golf Club with Hardy. Presented by Core Golf on 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, back to wrap things up here on the Sports Up Golf Club. A few stories to get to here uh, before the end of the show. One thing I want to mention right away uh, is there is a, a charity event going on at Charles River. This Charles River is one of these courses I've driven past, I would say, a soft 100 times. I mean, uh, you can see certain holes from Charles River Country Club when you're driving through, like... Uh, and there's a little cut-through street that I use a lot going from Needham to Newton, West Roxbury in that area. And I used to live over, you know, in Roslindale, West Roxbury. And uh, I, I've seen it a bunch. I've never played it. Oh, it looks so nice. But anyway, uh, there's a chance to uh, for you to support a great cause and enjoy golf at Charles River Country Club, the Triangle Golf Classic. It's October 3rd. Uh, individual golfer foursome and corporate packages are available now and it benefits triangle inc which empowers people with disabilities to live rich and fulfilling lives it really is a wonderful organization and uh, a great golf course should be a great day some fall golf at charles river country club so if you want to find out more go to triangle inc.org slash golf and i'm sure if you just uh, poke around on social media and on uh Whatever, you know, just Google it. The Triangle Golf Classic, October 3rd, Charles River Country Club. And a chance to go play Charles River and support a great cause in the process. And sounds pretty good. All right, a uh, couple of stories I wanted to get to. There is one that came out about the top 30 nicest guys on the PGA Tour. Uh, and I, I just went through the list to see how many of these guys uh, we had a chance to meet and talk to over the years at both the Deutsche Bank Championship and the Dell, uh, and, you know, throughout years of, of doing the golf show here. And, and there are quite a few on here that I, I see that I would I would agree with, and then one at the very top that I, I have never had an opportunity to meet, so I can't tell you. Some of the guys in here I think are the obvious ones. Zach Johnson, Justin Thomas, um, D- they're actually toward the bottom of the list in the top 30. Zach Johnson's there in a tie for 27th, which takes you out to the 30th spot. And uh, Justin Thomas in at number 28. And by the way, these are voted on uh, by fellow PGA Tour players. Okay? I believe that's... that. Oh, they, they asked players, caddies, media members, locker room attendants, and tournament volunteers. Okay, well, well over 100 people for this Golf Digest article. So kind of an interesting cross-section of people who come across these players. 
Um, Danny Lee came in at number 24, which I think is great. And years ago, Danny Lee sat down. It was either me and Marshall Hook. It could have been Christian Arcan, maybe Ryan Johnston one day at the at the golf tournament. Danny Lee was the most self-deprecating, funny, disarming uh, player, um, I, I, I think, maybe in our years of talking. He, 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 was, he was funny. He was friendly. He was great to talk to. Uh, so Danny Lee is listed there. Scotty Scheffler comes in at number 21. By all accounts, he is a, a really nice guy. Cam Smith may not think so if he did, in fact, think that Scotty Scheffler didn't walk over his line, through his line. It's kind of like that back line as as good golfers tend to go way behind their putts and look at it. And it's like it's just kind of an etiquette thing. If a guy's kneeling down looking at his line, even if you're not walking over through his line, but uh, I think that's Scheffler doing some gamesmanship there, too. And there are reports that's not what happened at all. But the look on Cam Smith's face sure looked like he thought he was being a little, dissed a little bit there. Brand Snedeker in at number 17. It's a great choice. Uh, who else here? Let's go. Let's let's see who's in the, uh, the top 10. Stuart Sink. He's been around forever. He's had a chance to uh, impress his friendliness on a, a ton of people. Colin Morikawa in at number eight. Ranked too low in terms of uh, my interactions with him. At number seven, uh, he should be higher on the He should be closer to the top three friendliest guys on tour. Harold Varner III. Um, and I think it's a lot of the fact that he grew up playing a lot of muni golf, playing in these, you know, youth on course initiatives. Uh, always, always willing to help out and talk to people. And Harold Varner is just one of the nicest and, and again, most honest guys you'll ever hear talking on tour. And then your top five of Ricky Fowler, co-sign. Rory McIlroy, co-sign. Jordan Spieth, co-sign. Peter Malnati, I have never met him. He's in at number two. And then the friendliest guy on tour, according to players, caddies, volunteers, golf course execs, everybody, as a guy I've never met in Tony Finau. So if you ever have a chance to meet Tony Finau, I guess the moral of the story is don't pass it by because, uh, according to this survey, he's the friendliest guy out there. Seems like he is, but you really don't know until you meet somebody. But apparently that is, in fact, the case. Listen, uh, I want to thank you for indulging me, letting me uh, get off my chest for what will hopefully be the last time, talking about my meltdown last weekend during tournament golf. But I really want to thank Ian, I, uh, Ian Highfield and everybody at Core Golf and Natick for uh, my, uh, you know, my, my post-mortem on the round, getting a chance to talk about it. And I spoke with a number of guys out at Core. Oliver sat there and listened to the whole story. Ian listened to the whole story. And then afterward, kind of like walked through it. And I do believe... There's something in the way that you play when you're playing well, uh, call it a process, call it your routine, whatever it is, that when it's going well, make every effort you can not to change it. And it, it, it seems so simple to say now, but that includes the thoughts in your head. If you're thinking about score, keep thinking about it. If you're not thinking about your score, keep not thinking about it. Who knows? Uh, there's always next year. Thanks for everybody for being a part of the uh, Sports Hub Golf Club. We'll do it again next weekend, same time right here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. 
Thanks for listening to the Sports Hub Golf Club on Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub.